All right. Good morning, Christ Church. Good to be with you this morning. Good morning to all of you who are worshiping online and in the upper room. Good to be with you as well this morning. We are deep into a sermon series. We are deep into this historic tradition within Christianity that sometimes is called Lent. It is this season for us as Christian people that leads up to Easter, and we set it aside as a church body to really spend time looking and reflecting at ourselves, looking and reflecting at our faith, trying to grow in our faith and our understanding of our faith. And so that is what we continue to do again this morning. I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning specifically, we are going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. We started off the series with an incredibly important point. It is one that we are carrying all the way through the entire series. You see, where you begin with specifically understanding the Christian faith, those basic fundamentals, the absolute essentials, the DNA of Christianity, where you begin in terms of setting your trajectory makes a big difference. And for us, as a Christian people at Christ Church, we set out week one by establishing that where we begin with our conversation around the Christian faith, Christianity begins with Nice. All right. So for those of you who were not here or have not yet had a chance to hear it online yet, the answer is like Sunday school, Jesus Christ. It's a good one. It's a solid answer. Same is true in this situation. The answer is Christ. Christianity, we believe, begins with Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection, what he taught, what he preached, and what he brings into the world even to this very day. And so Christianity begins with... One more time, especially upper room. Here we go. Christianity begins with? Absolutely, that's right. Christianity begins with Jesus Christ. And therefore, our understanding of everything within our Christian faith happens through the lens or through the window of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We saw this last week. And that when we look at and talk about God as a Christian people, when we, when we talk about God, we talk about God in light of what Jesus says about God. We understand God in light of and through the lens of Jesus' teachings, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He is the one that shapes our understanding of God. And so for us, we not only know God as a creator, but we know him intimately as a father, because Jesus established God as a father. We're going to do that same thing this morning as we go to the Holy Spirit. What does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? What are his teaching? What is his understanding? How does he relate to and lead us into understanding the Holy Spirit? Now, when you say Holy Spirit, honestly, it's confusing. It's challenging for people, especially for non-Christians, when Christians start talking about a triune God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy what? Yeah, Spirit. Uh, We use that term. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gets even more confusing because we use the term Holy Ghost. How many of you have ever heard the term Holy Ghost before? Yeah, nice. Okay. So the problem with that, though, is that all of a sudden that conjures up images of, like, Ghostbusters, 
you know, Casper the Friendly Ghost. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're, when we talk about, as a Christian people, the, the, the understanding of the Holy Ghost, the understanding of the Holy Spirit, we are talking about the living presence and will and spirit of God at work and loose in our world. And again, as I said before, we're going to go to where Jesus helps us understand and relate to the Holy Spirit. Christianity begins with Christ. Therefore, so does our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in a couple different places. The one that we're going to go to this morning comes out of the book of John. It's from the Bible. It's one of the firsthand accounts, one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' teachings and ministry, his life, death, and resurrection. The Gospel of John, and specifically the 14th chapter. Here, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He's having a conversation with his disciples, and he starts talking to them about the Holy Spirit, and he says this. He says, when the Father, or God, when God the Father, there you see that, when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you you. And so Jesus is establishing right away a pretty clear and simple, very very understandable, accessible way of, of relating to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. An advocate. That's the word that he uses. In Greek, I got to remind you all every so often that I went to seminary, so I brought out my Greek stuff. And here's, here's the Greek word. It's parakletos. Okay? Parakletos. And if, as you dig into uh, that word and get into the, the historic nature of that word, the translation of that word, it's translated in a couple different ways. Most specifically and most often, it is advocate. Sometimes it'll also come across as intercessor, helper, mediator, counselor. And those last two, mediator and counselor, are usually used within the context of legalities. Lawyers would use, it's kind of the, the counselor from a frame of reference of being a lawyer or a counselor in terms of a court setting, okay? And so the Holy Spirit is that advocate. And if you dig down even closer and even more into the word itself and you get into the root, you know how languages sometimes have root words inside of words? If you get into the root of parakletos, you get to call or summon. Okay? Let me show you how this works. It actually makes perfect sense. Advocacy. An advocate, advocacy is when somebody calls attention or summons your attention to something important. An advocate is someone who stands up and says, hey, hey, whoa, check this out. This is really big. This is really important. You need to pay attention to this. This deserves your attention. That's what an advocate does. That's what advocacy is. And so the Holy Spirit... Jesus refers to as an advocate. Someone who is calling, summoning, even wooing. Calling, summoning, grabbing people's attention. And calling attention specifically to the person of Jesus Christ. To his teachings 
to, to what he taught and, and how he lived, his implications in terms of his life, death, and resurrection. I mean, again, you go back to John. This is exactly what he says. He says, you know, that advocate, he's going to be my representative. He's going to be the one who speaks for me, who's, who's out and about continuing my work, continuing to live out my will, my plans, my intentions, my heartbeat. The Holy Spirit is going to be my advocate in this world and in the lives of people. It's going to, he's, he's going to help people understand what I'm saying and what I'm teaching, and he's going to remind people of my words and my forgiveness and my grace. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Another way of saying it is like this. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, calls attention to Jesus Christ. That's your Holy Spirit, calling attention, your attention, my attention, to Jesus. What does Jesus want for my life? How does Jesus want me to respond in this situation? What are the implications of, of his life and death and resurrection for me and my family and for this church and for this community? The Holy Spirit is the one who's prompting you to ask those questions, pushing you, prodding you, pulling you, calling you to examine and think and look at Jesus. There are going to be multiple stories in everybody's life where you have probably actually experienced the Holy Spirit at work. You have probably experienced him at work. You may not have known that that was the Spirit of God working. Some of you might have. Uh, But there are profound stories all over the place. In fact, down here in the lower room, Wendy just shared a story uh, of how God was speaking and at work and calling her attention. Right? I love that. What a great and powerful story because what happened is the Holy Spirit came to her and spoke to her and reframed the way that she was thinking in light of God's goodness, in light of Jesus Christ. It's exactly what the advocate does. He gets us to think about Jesus and pursue him and hear his call. So we're all going to have different stories in our lives. Some happened last week, some happened eons ago. You know, I wanted to share with you one story in my own life where I, without a doubt, have no doubt in my mind, I'm absolutely convinced that the Holy Spirit was at work. Uh, I can only describe it as supernatural, Uh, To this day, I remember it extremely vividly, and it happened a while ago. It happened in the sixth grade. I've blacked out most of sixth grade from my memory, but this one little nugget, I still remember. I hold on to this one. Y'all feel me on that one, right? This is really, it was one of those moments in my life where I look at it and I'm like, wow, that was a Holy Spirit moment. That had to be a supernatural experience. It happened in the sixth grade. I was in the basement. I was in the basement, and this is back when you had uh, landlines with the corded phone, and you had the corded phone that could, like, go all over. You know what I mean? Like, you could bend this thing. You could go upstairs with this thing, like, anywhere you wanted. We had the corded phone, and it sat on the desk, and I was doing homework. It was a school night. I was doing homework, trying to be studious. And in the midst of doing homework, I had an overwhelming sense of something just kind of come to me. Again, I don't know how else to explain it except 
to experience it. Maybe you've experienced this yourself, something like this, where I just had all of a sudden this overwhelming sense that I needed to make a phone call. I kind of looked at the phone like, did that thing just speak? Like, what's up? That was weird. But it was this overwhelming sense that I actually needed to interact with the phone. And and as I got up and I'm kind of like, you know, okay, what the heck? I'm a sixth grader. I don't know what's going on. And I'm walking around and I'm like, what in the world? And all of a sudden, as I began to think about it, it became more and more clear to me and more and more urgent. And there was actually a specific name that all of a sudden I was supposed to call. I'm like, what? And it happened to be the girl who lived down the street. Her name was Amy. Amy lived down the street. We were in the same grade. We rode the bus together. I didn't really know her. I didn't really interact with her that much. She was a classmate, but I wouldn't describe her as a BFF, you know. Uh, So to call her would be odd, weird, out of the norm, not what I'm accustomed to. But this overwhelming and persistent sense of urgency kept directing my attention to Amy needs a phone call from you. Finally, after pacing for like an hour, I actually did it. If nothing else to make the, you know, make the sensation go away, like stop this weird thing going on. I picked up the phone, I dialed her number, I found it in the, in the, in the phone book, the school directory, and I, I called her. All right, and you got to picture sixth grade me, all right? Comb over, circle glasses. Yeah, yeah, enough said. And, and, and as I'm on the phone, now, first of all, I don't ever talk to girls on the phone. Again, I'm in sixth grade. And in my smooth talking, I say, hi, is Amy there? And it was her on the other line. She, she was the one who picked up. She said, yeah, this is Amy. I said, hi, this is Andrew Sir from school. Hi. Hi. In my head, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. And uh, uh, I, I remember saying, I wanted to call you. Oh. Again, this is sixth grade, okay? This is the extent of your conversations. I remember saying, I wanted to call you. And she goes, oh, okay. And she's like, what? And I asked her, what's going on? And she's like, she kind of paused. said, you're just calling me? Like, yeah, I'm just, just calling to say hi. And within a few seconds, I realized she was crying on the other end of the line. Just bawling. And I remember listening as she shared some things that were going on in her life. She was having trouble with her parents, and big trouble significant. Her parents were having trouble with each other. And uh, I, just, I just listened. I, I didn't need to say anything. She, she cried her way through sharing that some significant things were going on in their household. And uh, we got to the end of the conversation, the end of, of her kind of talking. And she had gotten eventually to a point of asking questions about identity who am I? Why am I here? And, and eventually she said, you know, why, why do you get out of bed in the morning? Why even bother? And uh, this time she actually waited for a response. And I remember being on the other line, and she'd asked this question, why do you get out of bed in the morning? And 
the Bible actually talks about what, what, what happened. Um, there's this moment in the Bible where it talks about sometimes uh, you don't have the right words, but the Spirit will intercede, is the word it uses. Intercede. We saw that with advocate, right, out of John. It will, it, it will intercede for you. It'll jump in the gap for you. And that's exactly what happened. I remember she asked me this question, why to get out of bed in the morning? And just kind of unbidden, I didn't even think about it, it just kind of came out. I said, oh, Amy, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I don't even know how that answers the question. I'm not sure it does, but that's what I said. I said, Amy, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And she kind of paused. And she said, you really believe in that stuff? Like, really? And I took a breath, and I said, yeah, I really do. Like, I actually genuinely believe in Jesus, and he's the reason I get out of bed in the morning. I, I actually believe. And I remember her saying, uh, I hope one day I can too. And that was it. That was our conversation. She hung up the phone. I, I, here I am years later. I'm standing and sitting in front of all of you. And as I recall that conversation, I am without a doubt convinced that was a Holy Spirit advocate moment. That in that moment, God was, one, speaking to me. He was speaking to me. The Holy Spirit was trying to uh, craft me, shape me, uh, cultivate me, sharpen me, get me to respond to his prompting so that later in life when other calls and other situations would arise, I would know to follow and to listen and to respond when I get the sensation that I should do that and help that person or engage in that conversation. The Holy Spirit was at work in me in retrospect. Also, he was at work in Amy. He was at work in Amy's life. He was trying to bring a message of hope as she was sitting on the other side crying with tears. He was advocating and trying, trying to get across to Amy. Jesus. Jesus is a reason to get out of bed in the morning. That he can bring hope and healing into homes. That his life, his death, his resurrection, his teachings, the way that he frames and, and says this is the best way to live life, that's the best way. And he was using me, a sixth grade boy, to communicate that and share that with a hurting person on the other end of the phone. And that is what a Holy Spirit moment looks like for me. Maybe it's not that grand. Maybe it's not that big or that obvious. But it's the activity of God calling your attention, my attention, calling us to know and experience Jesus. Sometimes it feels like the weight of conviction. Sometimes that's the way the Holy Spirit works. Where, where you realize, wow, there's a gap between who I am and who Christ wants me to be who I aspire to be, who I want to be. 
Sometimes it's when that message of grace and forgiveness and hope comes to us, where we're literally crying, whether it be over your home situation, your work situation, your bank statement, whatever's going on in your life, and you're in that moment, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and brings a word of hope. It says, I love you when you don't feel loved. The Holy Spirit whispers to you, hey, Jesus is with you. I am with you. Remember that, 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 that I care about you and your future. And he prompts us and he pushes us and he advocates for the work and the will of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not only in our stories, it's in the scriptural stories as well. If you go to the Bible, there's example after example after example of where the Holy Spirit is calling attention to the work and will of Jesus Christ in this world. One of the best and most obvious places is it is sometimes referred to as Pentecost. How many of you have ever heard of Pentecost before? You heard of Pentecost? Hands up, hands up. Yeah, okay. So a lot of you. If you haven't heard of Pentecost before, it's this huge moment in the church history, in church bodies. Uh, the reason it's so significant is this is a moment where Jesus, uh, it comes after, well, it's a little, okay, let me backtrack. Here's what happens. Jesus is with his disciples. He says, look, I'm going to send you the advocate, okay? But in the meantime, I want you to go and hang out. I want you to, to, to go in a room and be patient for the right moment at the right time where the advocate is going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit's going to fall on you and, and dwell within you, and supernatural things are going to start happening. But I need you to be patient and wait for that moment in time. This is after Jesus has lived, died, and been resurrected, and he tells that to his disciples. Then he's raised to heaven. His disciples are hanging out. They're like, I guess, I guess we wait. So that's what they do. They wait. They go to a room, and they're hanging out in this room. And as they're hanging out in this room, they're, they're nervous. They're confused. They don't know what's going on. Jesus, he, a couple days ago, he was dead. Now he's back. It's been a little bit of time. And now he just went flying up in heaven. And like, what is happening here? And we're supposed to like hang out in this room until something supernatural happens? Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus said to do. And that's what they do. They hang out until all of a sudden a rushing wind comes into the room. And, and all of a sudden things are shaking and things are happening. And, and what appears to be uh, flames of, of fire, tongues of fire is sometimes how the, the Bible translated. Tongues, a flame of fire, a flicker of fire descends and, and rests over the top of each of the disciples gathered in the room. This is beautiful. This is incredible imagery. This is tying back to the Old Testament stories. In the Old Testament before Jesus, anytime that you wanted to make sure that you knew God was there in the temple, there was fire, there was flames, there, were, there was clouds, there was these supernatural experiences. And God's presence would dwell in the temple, and the way that you knew that it had come on the tabernacle or the temple was sometimes that literally a pillar of fire or a, a cloud, a pillar of cloud would descend on the temple. And here you have a situation now, it's now, you know, years and years later, it's after Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit is descending once again. There's fire descending, but rather than being in a physical temple, the Holy Spirit is now dwelling in people. In people. The Holy Spirit is going to begin to work and advocate, going to call people through people. The Holy Spirit is going to call people through people. 
And so all of these disciples all of a sudden have this tongue, this flame, this fire, this supernatural event. They get up, they start talking to each other, and they're talking in different languages. They're like, this is trippy, what is happening? And they realize this is the advocate at work, this is what Jesus promised. So they go out into the streets, and they start talking to people in the streets. And Jerusalem is a very multi-ethnic, it's multicultural, there's tons of different people. It's the way that it was back then, it's very similar to the way it is today. If you go to Jerusalem, you go with Pastor Bob, he's taking a trip coming up, and if you go there, you can hear all sorts of languages, and styles of clothing, and cultures, and values. And you had that back then too, and the disciples are flooding into the streets, and they're speaking different languages in a way that people understand from all over the world. And they they get it. They understand what the disciples are saying. And what are the disciples saying? They're calling attention to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what they're doing. They're preaching. They go out into the streets, and as the scriptures say, as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability, they started to speak the gospel in a variety of tongues and ways that people could understand. People have conversion moments and believe. This is often regarded as the birth of the church. Like, like us, like you trace our lineage back, you go way back, it goes back to this story. 3,000 people believe. First megachurch in history. 3,000 people convert and start to follow Jesus because the Holy Spirit called attention to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through his followers. That continues to to today. That there are certain gifts, supernatural experiences, events, moments, and gifts that, that the Spirit will use in each one of us who are Christian people where they will come to fruition in a way that points people to Jesus. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will work in ways that brings about discernment in specific circumstances, uh, where it makes it plain and clear that this is what Jesus' will is. This is what Jesus would want in this circumstance or situation. Uh, Sometimes it's just a straight-up miracle, a straight-up supernatural event that's hard to explain. Some of you might have experienced one. Some of you might know somebody who's experienced a miracle before. They continue to happen to this day, and the the only rationale is it's a supernatural, miraculous event that points people and, and tests to the activity of God in our world and to Jesus Christ. One of the last and most important places where we as a Christian body continue to see the work of the Holy Spirit is in the sacraments, is in communion and in baptism. In communion and in baptism, the Holy Spirit is evoking faith. It's calling you. It's, it's pulling you to the table. It's coming forward and saying, yes, I'm a broken sinner, and yet how good is God that he would give himself to me in the person of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins? That, that when, when I go through those words and I break the bread and when I lift up the cup and when I'm saying those things, when I'm repeating Jesus' words, the Holy Spirit is opening your ears so that you can hear, you can understand the grace and the mercy of God is for you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
It's found in baptism. Today we're going to have a baptism. Baptism is the moment where, where the promises of God happen and are exchanged between, between a child and God and between us as a community and this child and this family and where all of these words are spoken and water, physical elements, are attached to powerful words. And so God uses that and brings them together by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to invade this life and claim them, descend upon them, just like in Pentecost, through water and through words, and dwell inside that person from then on, calling them, wooing them, working in their life to bring about the work and will of Jesus the Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit that is at work in your world and at your life. It is advocating for Jesus Christ so that you would know God's grace and mercy is for you. His love is for you. And that you can carry that message now to others and join with the Holy Spirit advocating for Jesus Christ in a world that really needs Jesus. Beautiful, wondrous, incredible, supernatural. It's the Holy Spirit. Let's close with a word of prayer. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, saving Jesus and holy, sanctifying Spirit, we thank you that you are at work in our world to this day and that you are at work in our lives and that you would continue to call our attention to the work and will of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, that you would deepen our faith You would grow us into being the people that you aspire us to be. That you would speak words of comfort and compassion and grace and kindness and forgiveness over each one of us. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for calling us to be children of God and followers of Jesus Christ. We ask and we pray that you would use us, use our lives. We seek to partner with you in what you're doing in reaching more people with the gospel, bringing more people to an understanding of Jesus, calling more people to be part of your church. We ask for that privilege simply because we know the joy and satisfaction having found it ourselves. Lord, we ask and we pray this according to the grace that is found in Jesus Christ and in his name. Amen.